Let's stand and sing. 126. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God, joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day and for this time together, together as your community. Lord, we ask that your words would be heard today, that your children would be reminded that they are not alone. Lord, that 
We are your beautiful children, and in your eyes, Lord, we hold great promise. I pray that they would just be reminded that you are stronger, God, that in you we find our love and our rest, God, that you who promised are indeed faithful. Lord, we ask that you would just um, encourage every one of your children to know that you are fighting their battles with them, Lord, that they are your beautifully broken vessels, God, and that in you they have great promise. Amen. Greetings on this Palm Sunday. We're reminded this week of the words of Jesus. Oh, Father, why have you forsaken me? Have you all ever felt that way, that God has forsaken you? I know that there's been times that I have. Prior to moving back to Henderson from Florida, I was a little lost. But I found a great home here at Community Baptist Church. And I'm so proud and thankful for all of you. I just wanted to say that prior to praying for our offertory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your gifts, your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, that you sent this holy week for us to forgive us, to die for our sins. We ask that you bless a portion of these gifts that we now give back to you as an offering. Bless them, use them to build your kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you feel like waving your palm branches? We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in a little bit, but uh, actually there's some palm branches, some palm leaves right here, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do, to do that, but i got a few things to say first. <laughs> uh, some of you may know Bell Star, may have heard of Bell Star. Bell Star was one of the few women outlaws in the Old West. So she gained widespread notoriety. In fact, there was one day when Judge Isaac Parker was attempting to try a case, but he couldn't get the attention of the courtroom. Even the members of the jury had wandered from the jury box to go and to stare out the window. And the source of all the excitement was that outlaw Belle Starr was riding by on her horse, and everybody, everybody in town wanted to get a glimpse of her. The judge had to call a recess in order to deal with this distraction. And you know, I can imagine a similar distraction on the day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. He was no outlaw, of course, even though the law would put him to death. But his time had now come, and there was no use hiding his identity any longer. There was no use delaying the inevitable. So he sends two of his disciples into a village to get a young donkey. He and his followers had probably come by foot all the way from Galilee, which was a long, long way away. But now, for these last two miles, he wanted to ride a donkey. But why? Well, there's only one answer. Jesus was deliberately acting out the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey. When the disciples brought the donkey to Jesus, they threw their cloaks on top of it and, and helped Jesus get up on, on it. And then as he rode into the city, the people spread their cloaks on the road and they began to praise God in loud voices saying, Blessed is he who has come in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, when I read those words, I can't help but to think about the angels who sang at Jesus' birth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men and women. At his birth, he came into a world that would reject him. And in the same way as we enter into this holy week, he comes into a city that will also reject him. But at this stage of the game, the people are still singing his praises. He has garnered quite a, a, a following. In fact, they are so boisterous that the Pharisees that are observing this become a bit uneasy about it. And they say to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. Let's tone it down a little bit. To which Jesus replies, I tell you that if they keep quiet, 
the very stones themselves will cry out. It's a wonderful story. And it's no wonder that Christians all over the world will be celebrating Palm Sunday today. It's a word of hope in a world of despair. It's a word of hope before entering into this week in which we remember Christ's betrayal and his suffering and his death at the hands of a sinful humanity. But let's begin our thoughts this morning by thinking for a few moments about Christ riding a donkey. I imagine that if you or I were to choose something to ride in a parade, I dare say a donkey would not be our first choice. Perhaps a shiny convertible or maybe a horse, but not a donkey. Not a donkey. Beth Warpmaker says that whenever she hears about Jesus riding on a donkey on Palm Sunday, she thinks about a story that her mother used to tell her. She said that her mother, as a child, would often look through the pages of the Sears and Roebuck catalog, and invariably her eye would always stop on a donkey pulling a cute little cart behind it. Yes, evidently you could buy livestock in those days from Sears and Roebuck. But Beth's mom, as a child, loved the idea of having this cute little donkey to help her haul things around on the farm, especially using that cute little cart that the donkey carried behind it. And so she begged and she begged and she begged her father to buy her that cute little donkey And finally he did. However, when the donkey arrived, it was not cute. And it was not little. And it did not have a cart. As a matter of fact, it was very dirty and it smelled awful. And as hard as she tried, Beth's mom said that she could not get that donkey to move anywhere, no matter what she did, that donkey would just stand there. Donkeys have a reputation for being kind of like that sometimes, don't they? Stubborn, smelly, and lowly. There's a bizarre but true story uh, in the newspapers about a donkey in in England that uh, apparently was an alcoholic. Seems that the the patrons of a certain pub in a small town in England uh, had had this habit of entertaining themselves by watching a donkey swill down pint after pint of ale with no thought for what the consequences might be for the donkey or for the patrons, for that matter. Because, you see, when, when the donkey got drunk, he got mean. And it already had bitten a woman's finger off. But you know, donkeys have a poor image, don't they? And that's sad because donkeys have played such an important role in our history, the history of our world. Just go to a biblical concordance and see how many times donkeys are mentioned in the Bible. There are lots, lots. As a matter of fact, there's even a website called 
BibleDonkeys.com. No joke. It was really there. But in spite of their image of being lowly as well as stubborn, donkeys have served their masters in many ways. In the Middle East, donkeys are still used as a beast of burden. And one authority says that donkeys are so willing and so biddable that they patiently accept crate after crate and stone after stone and shovel after shovel of sand until sometimes they literally fall on their knees. Of all the animals in the world, the donkey is the most hardworking and the most humble and probably the most abused. And yet Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah would arrive gentle and riding on a donkey. Corey Ten Boom was once asked if it was difficult to remain humble when she became the target of so many accolades for her Christian writing. And her reply was classic. She said, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments on the road and singing praises, do you think for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of this was for him? It captures our imagination that Jesus rode a donkey on Palm Sunday. But it was a sign of his humility. And it was a sign of his commitment to peace, if not war. For you see, had he been a conquering king, he would have ridden into town on on a stallion. But instead, he came on a donkey to send a message that he was a different kind of king. But also notice the reception of the crowd. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, everybody loves a parade, don't they? It was clear that the crowds were welcoming Jesus as their liberator. They wanted them to liberate them from political oppression. And it was common in Bible times to spread garments in the path of a prince or a king, especially at their coronation. In fact, the phrase is, Hosanna and blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Both of those phrases come from Psalm 118, which is known as the conqueror psalm. The people thought that Jesus had come to destroy the tyranny of the Roman government who ruled them with an iron fist. And they were in a mood to celebrate because they they thought that their freedom was coming. Have you ever been in a celebration like that? You ever been in a celebration where everybody just let their hair down and 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 just turned loose? There was a journalist uh, who once gave an exciting account of a scene in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, back in 1996. This was when the Steelers defeated the Colts to become the AFC champions and earned a trip to the Super Bowl. The whole city went crazy, and it's It had been 16 years since the Steelers had been to the Super Bowl and everybody was excited. There were impromptu parties, there was dancing, and thousands of people jammed the streets. People in the crowd sang and hugged one another. It was just a wonderful, wonderful event. And I'm sure that it was something like that when the people welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem. But unfortunately, they were welcoming Jesus as a political liberator. 
And they misunderstood the kind of kingdom that he really came to bring. It's no wonder that they turned against him when, he, when they discovered that he was not interested in political revolution, but was rather was interested in spiritual renewal. He was not about riots. He was about righteous living. He wasn't interested in setting up a temporal kingdom, but introducing an eternal kingdom. As a matter of fact, when Pilate asked him if he was a king, he said, my king is not of this world. The people were disappointed at that. Then they turned angry. And finally, they turned violent. And so they nailed him to a tree. And all of this took place in one short week. People are fickle, aren't they? Pastor John Jewell tells about a professional baseball player who was asked what it was like to be a hero among so many young people. And he said, well, there was one particular game that made me take all the adulation with a grain of salt. He said, I had four at-bats at that game. I had two home runs, a double, and a strikeout on my last time up. He said, the crowd cheered my first three hits, but they booed very loudly when I struck out. Sports fans are fickle like that, aren't they? And so are people in general. The crowd welcomed that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem that day, changed its mind in a hurry. Many of the same ones who yelled Hosanna on Palm Sunday were most certainly a part of that mob that yelled crucify him on Friday. But it's all a part of the Palm Sunday experience. Jesus riding on a donkey. The crowd shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But finally, let's, let's note the reaction of the Pharisees. It's important that we not cast the Pharisees in, as the villains here. It's really not that simple, even though Jesus uh, did have his issues with them. The Pharisees were simply the religious uh, conservatives of their time, and they saw it as their responsibility to keep the faith of their people. And I'm sure that that when Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey in accordance with the messianic prophecy of Zechariah, the Pharisees, as well as his disciples, were certainly aware of the messianic implications of this act. And given the, the highly charged political atmosphere, as thousands of pilgrims were pouring into Jerusalem for the annual festival of the Passover, Jesus entering into Jerusalem in such an intentionally conspicuous manner as to evoke feelings of national liberation, that was a great risk. And when the Pharisees heard the crowd shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they said to to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples, tell them to be quiet. They were afraid. They were afraid that such a tumultuous activity would attract the attention of the Romans 
who might send in a company of soldiers to squelch what they could certainly interpret as the beginning of an insurrection. If Jesus, if Jesus continued to be seen as a political messiah, as an insurrectionist, if you will, all of the might of the Roman Empire could be arrayed against the people of Palestine. And the Pharisees did not want that. However, there was no turning back now. Jesus said to the Pharisees, I tell you, if they keep quiet, then the very stones themselves will cry out. In other words, what Jesus was saying is that the die has been cast. There's no stopping the forces that have already been set in motion now. And this is why I've come. And even if you quiet the crowds, the rest of the events will play out just as they are supposed to play out, as the Son of God lays down His life to rescue a world that is dying. It is important for us to know that Palm Sunday does not exist in isolation. It's the beginning of what has been called Holy Week. It's a week when we remember the suffering and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a week that changed the world forever. Some of you may be familiar with a song that's often sung in churches during this Holy Week. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> my daughter Rachel is scheduled to sing this song next week here at church. It's called The Holy City. But it, there's a little book called Quiet Moments with God. And in this, in this little book, there's a, a beautiful story about that song that expresses the feelings that, that Christians have about Palm Sunday. Story goes like this. About 30 men, red-eyed and disheveled, were lined up before a judge in the police court of San Francisco many years ago. It was the regular morning company of the drunks and disorderlies. Some of them were old and hardened. Others hung their head in shame. Things had just be begun quieting down after the prisoners were brought in when a very strange thing happened. For you see, from below the courtroom came a man's voice singing, Last night I lay asleeping, there came a dream so fair. Well, last night for most of these men standing in that courtroom that had been a drunken stupor. I stood in old Jerusalem, but beside the temple there, the, the song continued. The judge paused. He made a quiet inquiry. It seems that a, a former member of the, of the famous opera company was awaiting trial for forgery downstairs. And it was he who was singing in his cell below the courtroom. Meanwhile, the song went on. Every prisoner in the courthouse showed emotion as, as they sat, stood there listening to the words of this song. Some of them wept openly. One or two of them actually dropped to their knees. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang. One man finally said, Judge, do we have to submit to this? We're here to take our punishment, but this, 
But he couldn't finish his sentence, for he too began to sob. It was impossible to proceed with the business of the court, and yet still the judge gave no order to stop the singing. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, sing for the night is o'er. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna forevermore. In an ecstasy of melody, the last words rang out, and then there was silence. The judge looked into the faces of those men standing before him, and there was not a single one of them who had not been touched by that song. There was not a single one of them in whom a better impulse was not stirred. He did not call the cases one by one that day. Instead, he gave a kind word of advice to each of them, and then he dismissed them all. No man was fined that day. No man was sentenced to jail that morning. The song had done more good than any punishment could possibly have accomplished. And that, my friends, is the power of Palm Sunday. Christ rode upon a donkey. He was welcomed with hallelujahs and hosannas. The Pharisees were not comfortable with all of this and asked him to quiet the crown the crowd, but he indicated to them that it was too late. The drama must play itself out, the divine drama, the drama that gives hope to a sinful world. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, sing for the night is o'er. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna forevermore. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response in just a moment. Number 287, Take My Life and Lead Me, Lord. We're going to do something different as we sing our hymn of response. As I mentioned earlier, there are palm branches here. And we're, in, we're going to invite you to come forward and to take one of these palm branches and lay it at the foot of the cross. Before we do, though, I want to ask you, does, does this Palm Sunday story give you hope? I hope it does. It certainly does to me. Even though it's a story of mistaken identity, as, uh, it, it still gives us much hope. It's a story... Uh, in which the crowd waved their palms in expectation of a political king. But Jesus came on a donkey. He was a man of peace. Nevertheless, he did come to establish a, a new kind of kingdom, but not a kind of kingdom that they expected. Christ's kingdom was a kingdom of love and peace. It's a kingdom that turns the world on its head because it's so different from what the world thinks a kingdom should be like. Christ's kingdom is a kingdom that says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. 
Go the extra mile. Give to those in need. For my kingdom is within you. And so these palms that we see today, they kind of take on a new meaning. Not a celebration of a military coup, but in celebration of a kingdom of peace. Christ's kingdom for which he died. And I think it's certainly appropriate for us to wave these palms in in victory today. Because on that cross, Jesus Christ won the victory over sin and over death. And so as we sing our song of response this morning, I want to invite you to come, to come forward. Anybody who wants to, all of you if you want to, and take one of these palm branches You can even wave it around if you want to. That's absolutely appropriate. But then let's place it here in this basket at the foot of the cross in thanksgiving that our King has come. Would you come? Thus begins Holy Week, a beautiful, sad week, but a week that eventually leads to great victory, because next Sunday is Easter, a bitter time coming this week as Jesus suffers, as he dies, but then on Sunday he is resurrected, and that is great hope. Thank goodness for that. As we begin this week, we are mindful of, um, of uh, two families in our congregation. Uh, I don't know if, it, if everybody knows yet, yet or not, but uh, Norma Shetterly passed away this morning, uh, about 2.30 this morning. And also Cindy Hall's father passed away this morning as well in Michigan. So we'll keep uh, them all in our prayers uh, this week as we, as we think about them and pray for them. Let us bow for our benediction. We know the love of God because we have seen that Christ laid down his life for us. And so as we go forth from this place today, may we go as followers of Christ, walking in his footsteps, loving in deed and in truth. And as we do, the peace of our God will go with you. Amen.